Well, good morning. It's, uh, it's great to, to have you here. If you're new here, my name is Dean. I'm one of the pastors here. And, you know, as was said, it's a special day for us, a really special day. And, uh, you know, today, um, you know, as Michelle said, for the last 23 months, we've been one church in, in one location. And now here we are about to launch into kind of a, a new future in two locations next week. And uh, I want to just kind of speak into that space a bit for us today. And uh, it, it's kind of a, a unique day. And, you know, I've spoken with lots of different uh, people, you know, as we've led up to this moment. And for us as a church, the last few weeks have been, a, a, you know, a couple months even as we kind of come towards the pointy end of the stick preparing for this. And, you know... I want to just remind us, I guess, speak into a little bit about what God has been doing and what we believe he's calling us to and why. Um, you know, it was about 23 months ago, uh, a little bit over that when we realized, you know, we were, we were kind of a whole, in lots of ways, and kind of literally, we were a different church 23 months ago. We were Whitford Church, and we had a central campus and North Coast campus, and, and that's who we were. And, and we were beginning to move towards kind of the development uh, up in Merwa, but we felt God actually saying, you know, kind of calling us together and into one space, almost as if it was like God needed to do something in us before he could do something kind of fresh through us. And he, we, the way different things came around in lots of ways, it was one of those not unplanned but clearly God's hand at work that our, our whole church kind of just came together in one space. And we have been navigating and going through that kind of journey together. And that included, you know, moving into a, a bit of a new future, letting go of a lot of things of the past, including our name most symbolically, if you will, and stepping into a new future as True North. And now we're going to be stepping out, launching what we've been working towards, a, a campus, and not just another campus of our church, but an entire center and hub for the community up in Marowa. And it's, uh, and it's an exciting journey. And one of the things I know for a lot of people that I've, I've spoken with, there's a little bit of almost kind of mixed emotions then when you approach a day like today. There's all the excitement and, and the, the just kind of, wow, what we've been looking forward to, incredible things, you know, happening up in Marowa. And then there's also this reality, though, because we've become this one church and we've all been together in this space, there is a certain sense of loss that comes in of, you know, I'm not going to see some of the same people I always saw every Sunday. I'm not going to be some of the places that have been familiar to me. There's, there's a change that comes in that. And I know even for myself, I know, you know, there's a certain, and many people, I'm sure you feel this, there's a certain just kind of uh, comfort and just a certain, you know, just this good feeling that comes with kind of, we're all going to be together. You know, we'll all be in the same space. And now we're, we're, we're saying, you know what, we're going to let go of that to take hold of something new. And, and so there's, there's, I know, for, for many, a, a, a mixture in there. And I know if you like me as well, and what I think kind of is helpful and, and important for us to, on a day like this, just to come back around one more time, uh, is why we do what we do. It would be very easy to say, uh, you know what? Everything's going so well. Everything's so good. Almost like, you know, why would you mess with it? You know, over this last 23 months, as we've been together in one location, our church has grown in every sense of that word. Good things are happening. 
Why would you want to mess with that? Why, why do we, why, you know, do something else? You know, I don't feel like me. Sometimes you're working on something, and you keep kind of tweaking it, messing with it, trying to get it a little bit better, a little bit better. But then there comes a certain point where you're like, oh, I tweaked with that too much, and now it's worse, you know? Should have left it alone. Should know when to stop, you know? And, and but what we're doing is saying, you know what? We, we're going we're gonna to let go of something that's good take hold of something that's unknown, because we believe this is what God's calling us to do. And I want to just speak into that, and I know in some ways, in lots of ways, if you're somebody who's been here, you know, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, if you will, today. You're, you're a church who gets this, but I want to just, one more time, as we kind of get ready to launch out on mission in a fresh way, two locations, I want to remind us why we do what we do. Why do we, you know, I mean, we're going to, why, why would we want to start a whole, why would we want to start two services in the new location and two here? Why, I mean, this takes more people, it takes more resources, it's going to be challenges, wouldn't, is this all good? Why do we do what we do? Why do we step out? And the story that, one of the stories that constantly speaks to me about this from Scripture, and it speaks to what our, our real purpose is. We're going to look at a particular parable in just a moment that speaks to what God's people, what we are meant to be about, why we are, why, what we're supposed to do and, and why we do it. If you, have, uh, if you were here with us last week, in the lead-up, to, to next Sunday, we're doing this 14 days of prayer as a church. If you haven't been a part of it yet, I encourage you to. What we're just encouraging everybody to do is begin every day praying the Lord's Prayer for yourself, for your family, for our church. And, and just thinking, you know, what would happen if we all leaned into that, prayed that same thing together for 14 days? You can jump in on now and do the next seven days leading up to next Sunday, our first Sunday in the new space. And one of the things that prayer does, one of the reasons we're praying it, is it reminds us of all kinds of things. It reminds us of who we are and who God is. And it reminds us of our purpose is one of the core things. That we pray, that we work, that we labor to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. His will done on earth as it is in heaven. That we are to be a people as individuals and as a church who want to see heaven come to earth. Earth, just the way it is in heaven. This is, what we're, this is what we're all about. And this parable is going to speak to, so we know this is our mission. This is why we're doing it. We want to be a people who are on that mission of bringing heaven to earth. And this parable is one that Jesus talks about, that this is what the kingdom is like. And at one point as he's teaching about the kingdom of God, he says, this is what it's like. He does a few parables, and we're going to pick up uh, kind of the, the second one in the series. And he says this, again, because he's already been teaching about what the kingdom of God is like. He says, again, this is what it, it will be like, it being the kingdom of God. It will be like a man going on a journey, called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. It's a well-known parable here. He says, to one, one of his servants, he gave him five bags of gold, and to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey, takes off, leaves it with him. and says, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once, as soon as the master leaves. He goes at once, and he put his money to work, and he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag, he went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. 
The man who'd received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. Doubled it. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, but don't worry. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, I'm so glad you didn't lose it. I'm so glad you still got it. I'm so glad. No, no, no. He says, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would at least have received it back with some interest. And he says, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. But he's got 10. What's he need more? For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this is a story. It's a parable. And Jesus wants to make a point. And so as he often does, he uses uh, sometimes extreme language and pictures and metaphors to teach us something about the way that the kingdom of God works. And I love this parable because it... It speaks to and reminds us of why we do what we do. Why we should do things as people who follow God. Why we do what we do as a church. Why would we mess with something that's going well? Why would we let go of things that are are sometimes good? Why do we do what we do? Why would we take the steps we have taken? Why would we take the steps we are taking? Why do we do what we do? You know, this parable, it reminds us of uh, a few realities that we can't get on. One of the great things about this parable is it speaks to the reality that our lives, yours and mine, are lived in the middle of our master having been here and entrusted things to us and having gone away and knowing one day he will return. So this parable is speaking about, and it's in a part of a series of parables that really speak to what is it like and the gap between when Jesus was here, conquered sin, death, the grave, rose again, ascended to heaven, and the, the gap that exists between that moment and the moment when he will return. Because when he died on the cross, rose to life, conquered sin, death, and grave. The kingdom of God, it had come. It broke into this world. It's here. But we still continue to pray. Let it come because it is now expanding, growing. And one day, 
Jesus will return. The master will return. And everything will be just on earth as in heaven. He will renew all things. Every tear be wiped from our eyes. The kingdom will come in fullness and completeness. This parable reminds us that our lives, your life and mine, exist and live not just kind of, well, we've got 70, 80, 90 years in this world. Our lives exist in between those two moments. And it speaks to how then, how then should we live? How should we live while the master is away? And this is what it tells us. It reminds us, it speaks to this reality that God has entrusted his wealth, his resources to us, his servants. God has entrusted everything that you and I have has been entrusted to us by God. This parable uses the picture of gold. It uses the picture of wealth and investments. And it speaks to the realities of the financial resources we have given, but it is about a picture so much bigger yet than that. It's about a reality that God, who has of infinite and limitless resources, has chosen in his sovereign decision to entrust his resources to us, his servants. Can I tell you something that we can never forget? What we have, there is nothing that we have that has not been entrusted to us by God. And our lives take on a whole different shape. Everything about our life begins to look a little bit different when you begin to see everything you have as something that God has entrusted to you. Your relationships, your families, your, your time, your talents, yes, your treasure as well, all of it has been entrusted. God saw fit to entrust out of his limitless resource to entrust different resources to his people. You know, I, I love this parable because it reminds me of whatever we have, it's been entrusted to us. You know, often we'll ask, and never probably more so than in, in recent days, as we get prepared to launch a, a whole new campus, a whole new center, as we get prepared to launch new services in new locations, as we, you know, ask and invite, would you give of your time, of your talents, of your treasure? And, we'll, and sometimes people I know ask me, you know, should we really be asking people for this? Should we ask people to give? Should we ask them to serve this more? Should we? Here's what I can tell you. I don't ever have a problem asking people to, because here's the thing. What I believe is for every one of us, everything we have, our time, treasure, and talents, has been entrusted to us by God. That means whose is it? It's his. So I'm not really asking people to give up something of theirs. I'm asking you to ask your master, Lord, what would you have me do with what you've entrusted to me? And I can tell you this. If you ever resent the times we say, would you give? Would you give of your time? Would you give of your talents? Would you give of your treasure? Would you serve? Would you? you? You will always resent it if you believe that your treasure, that your time, that your time. If you believe they are yours, you will resent it when someone asks you to give up some of them. But when you see everything you have, it's, God, it's all yours. And you have, you've entrusted it. It's not mine. It's on loan to me. What would you have me do with it? 
knowing that we are interested. You know why we do what we do, why we don't just want to, hey, here's what we got, and it's a good thing. Let's make sure. Because God has entrusted these things to us. And when God entrusts something, guess what? God entrusts it not to say, hey, make sure you don't lose it. Make sure you don't, you know, kind of drop it. Make sure you still got it all. He entrusts it. And what do we see from this? He expects something. When God entrusts to us, for God, there is an expected return on what he's entrusted to us. He expects us to do something with the things he's entrusted to us. I love this parable because it speaks to this reality. God, he expected. The first guy gets it. He's like, it gets given to him, and he goes at once without delay. He senses this kind of urgency. God's given me this. I'm going to put it to work. I'm going to grow it. I'm going to multiply it. I'm going to get what he's entrusted to me working so that I can give back to him a return that he's expecting. He didn't, he didn't entrust this to me just to sit on it. That's what the first two servants got. God expects us to look at everything we have as entrusted by him and then to take it and to do something with it. Can I tell you something that's true? It's true in my life. It's true in yours. Everything we have has been entrusted to us by God. And one day, he's going to come and he's going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? And that is not meant to be like, oh, you better or else it's there to say, this is what life is about. This is what life's about. God's entrusted things. You know why we're going to do all these things as a church? Why we, why we launch out? Why we try new things, start new services? Because God has entrusted things to us. And he's expecting that we will not stick it in the ground and say, let's make sure we don't lose it. He's saying, I want you to do something with it. And you know what you see happens? The, the servants that he's so pleased with, what did they do with it? They multiplied it. They took it, and they doubled it. The first guy, he got given five. By the time the master returns, he's like, here you go. Here's five more. Doubled his, what was loaned to him, put it to work, doubled that investment. Second guy, he had two, puts it to work, four bags of gold. Here you go. I multiplied what you gave me. The great question when God entrusts something to us what you see in this story is this, the real, the, real com, the real contrast between the servants to whom God says, well done, come and enter my joy, and the one to whom he doesn't is the difference between multiplication versus protection. The guy who just had one, all he wanted to do was protect it. I got something good here. It's a bag of gold. It was a lot of money. There's a lot of, you know, when you try and figure out how much money was at stake here, there's different ways they kind of measure, so it's difficult to get in the bottom line. Of this, this was a lot of money. Like one bag of gold. Who wouldn't like one bag of gold? Seriously, if you put up your hand, we had a bag of gold, but nobody did, so we're not giving it to you. But it's going to, you know, kind of, one bag of gold. I mean, this is a, it's big resources. These guys were given big resources, but this guy, he just wanted to protect it. You know, and it's only natural when you're given something worth a lot to say, well, I don't want to lose it. But God doesn't want us just to dig a hole and bury stuff. He wants us to multiply. You know what, what, what you see, the real difference, and this is, you know why, why we do what we do, why we launch new things, why we keep going out, you know, 
Because the greatest, one of the greatest things about this parable that always reminds us is that there is this kind of contrast in this parable between the, 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 the wise servants, between the servants who get the well done versus the one who buried what he was given. It's kind of the, the, this, this tension point of kind of risk and fear. Risk and fear. You see, the first guys, they get given five. Now, they take their five bags of gold and their two bags of gold, and they get a 100%. They doubled the investment. Guess what? Their world's no different than ours. If you had a a sum of money and you wanted to get a 100% return on it, how would you do that? And I mean literally, write it down and hand me a piece of paper after the service. (laughs) You don't need to share it with anybody else, but... Just love to know. Just curious. 100% return doesn't come easy. And it doesn't come without risk. And the difference between the first two servants and the last one is what does the last servant say? Why did he not do what the others did? Why did he not put it to work the way that he says, I was afraid. I was afraid. Afraid I'd lose it. I thought, you know, you're a hard guy. I don't want to lose what you gave me. I don't think you'll be too happy with that. He didn't realize. He didn't realize what the first two servants got to experience. The first two servants ultimately got to experience the generosity and joy of the master. When they give their return to him, the master says, well done. Come and enter my happiness. I'm going to give you even more. Because they were willing to take what he'd given them and do something with it, he just, they get brought into his joy. But because the third one was too afraid, afraid he might lose it, afraid he might let him down, afraid, afraid he just buries it. He hides it. Can I tell you something? I, what this story always reminds me, you know, why do we do what we do? Why would we, you know, launch a whole new campus? Why would we step out and try new things? Why would we start new services here and new services there? And why, what if we don't even have enough people to, to serve and do all Why would we take... Why? Because God's given us things and he expects us to do something with it. And none of us know what happens when we start to, you know, kind of work on these things. But the one thing I know we never want to experience is to have to say to God, I'm sorry, we were too afraid and so we just buried what you gave us. See, as we kind of stand and look forward and look out at everything that's going to happen, there's tons of stuff I I know I don't know and you don't know and we don't know. But I can tell you this, one thing it will not happen is we won't stand in front of God and say, we were too afraid, so we buried what you gave us. We say, God, we know our mission in this world, what you've called us to do is to be a part of bringing heaven to earth. And so whatever you put in our hands, we want to make sure that we are investing it and using it in ways that will expand your kingdom. Do you know, this is a picture of the block of land that was entrusted to us in Marowah. 20 years ago, purchased in 1995 by our movement, Churches of Christ, before all those houses were built, before it sat right smack dab in one of the fastest growing population bases, not just in our city, but in all of Australia. 20 years ago, it was purchased. Not our wisdom, not our great planning, God's great planning. And it was purchased. And 20 
nearly 20 years later, God saw to it for us. And it's not this campus and that campus. We as True North Church are one church. So this block of land doesn't belong up there or here to any of it. And no more than this does it. We, God entrusted us with this block of land. And he said, I want you to steward it. I want you to take my bag of gold, my resource, this block of land. I want you, True North, I'm entrusting it to you, and I'm expecting that you will do something with it. And this, you know, this, this is what it looked like about, this is what it looks like now. Right now. That is awesome. Is that not awesome? Like, I mean, seriously, like I, it, and you know why it's awesome? It's because what was a vacant block of land? What was bushland? What was covered in litter? What was a place where people would have to call the police because they didn't know what was happening on that block of land? What was a completely wasted block of land has now been cultivated and turned into a space where people will encounter the living God. It has now been turned into a space that will serve as a light for Christ seven days a week. That will not just be, hey, Sunday mornings we built, we could, if we wanted to build a space to gather for worship one day a week, we could have done it a whole lot cheaper and a whole lot easier. And it wouldn't need to look like that. But what we've done they said, God, you gave us something. You gave us five bags, and we are not going to take that five bags and say, we're too afraid to do something with it. And what I love about this picture, you know what I love about that shot right there? That reminds me about, you know, one of the things you kind of can't miss when you look at it are the circles that you see there. And the whole design of what was just an empty square block is now built around this space of circles and do you know what we believe is that when you come into community, you come into a circle of people. We gather to worship in rows, and it's good because we stand shoulder to shoulder and say, we all look to God. But we, though we gather to worship in rows, being the people of God is about being brought into a circle. It's not just about standing in a row. It's about being part of a circle. And these circles, they stand for what we want to see happen in that community, which is to see community built. Because when people belong to a place of community, they get to experience the presence of God, which we know dwells not in buildings built by men, but God longs to put his presence amongst his people. You know, when we first began, you know, talking about this vision and in different places I would speak, especially out in the community and talking with people like Lottery West, one of the phrases we would often use about the vision, what we want to do was that we wanted to create a place that would bring together the people of Marwa and the people of Mindari. And that is about much more than just saying those two suburbs in particular, but talking about what is sometimes seen as almost like two different worlds and what would happen if we brought people from across every division that is out there cultural, economic, whatever you want to put up and say what there was a space that brought everyone together. Going from the isolated kind of walls to circles of community that begin to form. You know, this last week I was reminded of, and this is, this is, a, this is a, a beautiful picture, and I think we're meant to create things that are beautiful in this world. 
But what is far more significant, when I look at those pictures of those circles, I think of stories like one gentleman we've gotten to know in the area, lives in Marawa. He's from India. He's over here visiting his family. We've gotten to know him through our school. And he's from uh, Calcutta. Literally, his home is right in the dead center of Calcutta. And we in our Western world sometimes think, well, that, you know, I'm sure, I bet he feels so blessed to now be in Perth, in Western Australia. We have all these kind of images and pictures of, you know, what we think of when we think of Calcutta. You know what he says all the time when you're around him is he just talks about how much is he, he longs to go back to Calcutta because it's just so lonely here. He talks about how in his home in Calcutta, you walk down the street and you're connected to people and community and friends. And you don't need to call to go to someone's house. You just connect with them. And he talks about how now here, it's like everybody is just so isolated. And everybody's in their own little world. One of the spaces that he's begun to find some community is at our Super Tuesday uh, here on Tuesdays. One of the highlights of his week now. He loves to come. And he is so excited about what is happening in his neighborhood. He may not believe quite what we believe, but he is so excited for what's happening and what's coming. And I thought of someone else when I think of those circles. I thought of another, one of the guys who's working on the building project, you know. He's, he's one of the workers out there. He's been there for different parts of it and was chatting to him just this last week. And, and, and he was saying, you know, just he was kind of looking around and, and he's like, you know, and he's inside the auditorium and he's like, this, this looks way more like a nightclub than a church. And it's literally word for word what he said. And he's like trying to figure it all out and make sense of it. And so I'm trying to explain to him, well, we haven't built a church. This is what we're doing. We built a place that's, you know, this is a center for the community. There's going to be, you know, programs happening here and cafe there and, and you know, early learning, saying all these things. And he's seeing us. He's like, wow, that's incredible. And, and, I t- and, I, and he's like, you know, you guys, what are you guys? Like, are you Baptists? I'm like, no. No, we're not Baptists. We're Christians. I don't really understand. I just, just thought I'd offend all the Baptists in our midst. It's, it's kind of good to do that once in a while. But I'm like, yeah, look, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, what's your experience? Like, I'm like, what's your experience? You know, no, no, I've never been a part of a church. Don't really. He's like, actually, you know, we're from England, so I kind of know about the Church of England, that kind of thing, but we've never, you know, and, and I was like, you know, here's what we believe. We, this is who we believe God is, what Jesus has done, how we can know him, all these things. So I'm telling him, he's like, oh, okay, all right. So it's a bit like church. And, and I was explaining to him more about, and this is this whole thing, and he goes, man, he's like, I'm going to get my wife, and we're going to come along, and we're going to check this out. And he said, you know what, because I'm, I'm from England. He said, we immigrated four years ago here to Mindari. And he said, and you know what we found? It's such a lonely life. He said, it's so hard. We try everything and figure out how do we meet. We've been here four years. He said, it's so lonely. And I said, man, you're going to love this. Your wife's going to love it. There's going to be spaces. You're going to have a place to belong. You're going to have a community. This is your new local church. You know, this is, this is for you. And when I think about those guys, and it's almost like God just reminded me, you know what, why we do this, why we built these circles, why you see those lines coming together, because we're going to bring people together from Marowa to Mindari to Ridgewood to Kinross to Butler to Alchemos to just to bring people. And when they come together and come into that space, they are going to have an encounter with the presence of God because God puts his presence into his people. 
Not into the buildings, into his people. And as people step into that, not only will they find a place to belong, but as they belong, they're going to begin to believe. And we're going to see the kingdom of God go forward. That's what it's about. This is why we do what we do. It's why we risk what we've got. It's why we keep taking steps forward because we want to see people from all across the nations, the cultures, the economic groups, the, the suburb. What we want to see people come to know Jesus and experience heaven on earth. And if that means risking, if that means not just protecting what we've got, then we want to do that because the one thing we want to be able to say to our master in heaven is, Lord, what you put in our hands, what you gave to us, we took it and we tried to put it to work. Not for our purposes, but for yours. You know, even now, as we imagine what the future will look like here in Mullaloo, because this is by no means just about what we're doing. This is about how do we be the people of God on mission with God. I mean, I know we, not long ago we put up this drawing, and, and some of the things we're re-looking at what we're doing here in Mullaloo. And the point of that is not just because we want to see how do we build, you know, kind of the best buildings or places or spaces, not at all. But as we look about trying to create that same experience what we're trying to do and what we believe God has called us to do, the vision he's entrusted to us with what he's put in our hands, is how do we create spaces that bring those who would have never come to church into an encounter with his people? How do we move churches from being this declining institution that exists on the fringe of society to being right at the very center of the communities in which they exist? To be places that are no longer just following along, lagging behind culture, but that are driving creativity and culture and community to the point that people in new neighborhoods would say, the one thing we better have is a church in this space because everywhere they go, it's like heaven comes to earth. This is what we want to be about. And God's entrusted things to us. And I just want to remind us, as we get ready to say, let's launch out. We're going to try new things. We'll risk new things. We'll do new things. It will require every one of us as the people of God stepping forward like never before. But if we, every one of us, no longer sees our lives and our time and our talents and our treasure as things that are mine, but we see them as things on loan to us from God, and we together as his people say, God, how would you have us take what you've entrusted to us and multiply it? to see your kingdom come, to see your will be done in Mullaloo as it is in heaven, in Meroah as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. If we will do that, imagine what we could be part of. Because you see, the thing about the master that you learn from this story that the last servant didn't get is that he's not just a hard man. God is a generous God. God longs to say, come and Enter my happiness. Enter my joy. All the things that we think we're risking, all the things we think we're giving up, God says, no, no, no. When you let go of that, come, enter my joy. To those who have, even more will be given. You, the, the first two servants, is like God's like, the master's like, come, be a part of what I'm doing. You've been faithful with a little bit. I'm going to put you in charge of even more. Come, enter my happiness. He's a good God. He's a generous God who wants us to simply be a part of what he is doing in this world because that is what we were made for. That is where our lives exist. As we take what's been entrusted to us and we seek to multiply it until the master should return. 
Do you know, in our, let's take the city of Junlip just for a moment, and this would be my last kind of picture for you. If you ever wonder, or anyone ever wonders, do we, why, why do we want to, why do we want to push so hard, try so hard? Why do we constantly want to take risks and try new things and do what we can do? Because God's entrusted. And you know, in the city of Joondalup alone, just the city of Joondalup, population, 167,000 people. Do you know, think about what it would take, what it would require for every one of those 167,000 souls to know their creator. If we believe every single person, not one person we see, not one person we know, is not the lost coin, is not the lost child, is not the lost sheep. God is seeking and on a mission to call every one of his children home. We believe that? You know, in this city alone, in 167,000 people. Now, here's, here's just a little, this, in Australia, nationwide, about 2%, maybe 3%, I might have a slight on. Basically, let's just call it 2-3% of churches out of every church that exists everywhere. So just follow me on this for one minute. This is a story about math. I'm going to give you a little math. Follow me for one. 2-3% of all churches have 500 people in them. Okay? So that means almost none. Of all the churches out there, very, very few would have 500 people in them. The city of Joondalup, if you were to see every person come to know Christ, if we were to actually say, God, we've completed the mission, we've rescued, you know, we've been a part of your rescue mission for the people of Joondalup, 167,000 people. Do you know how many churches, not of, of, of a small, how many churches of 500? Imagine every church. Now imagine every single church in Joondalup grows to 500, every single one of them, or beyond. 500 people in every single church. Do you know how many churches it would take to reach everybody? 334. Now, just for one moment, just sit with me with this. I know numbers can sum that, but imagine this reality that in order to reach every person God loves and wants to call to himself, it would take 334 churches of 500 each in the city of Joondala. Sometimes we drive down Winton Road and we think, look, there's all these churches. Must be going great. 330, every single block on Winton Road. And then some. Way more. 500. I, I say all that just to say this. To say this. God is on mission for every one of those people. He doesn't just want to bring them to heaven. He wants to bring heaven to them. And that's what we're called to do. And when we look at the reality of, of what God's entrusted to us. He's entrusted a lot to us. What will we do with what we've been given? And let's be reminded as we step out, as we launch new things up there, as we step into fresh ways and how we are on mission right here in the future, we begin to move toward and mo- just understand we, no matter how, no matter how, uh, no matter how big we dream, we will not outdream God. We won't even come close. And so will we be a people? who simply say, you know what, and I'm not here to say we got to plant, you know, 180 of those churches, you know. I'm here to just say, what will we do with what we've been given? This is what the master's on about. It's what he's entrusted to us. And what would happen in our day 
If every one of us saw ourselves as that servant of the master, God, what do you want me to do with what I've been given? What would happen? Imagine if we as a church never thought, let's protect what we've got. Never thought, let's make sure we don't lose it. Never thought, this is pretty good. Let's not, let's not you know, risk losing it. What if we always just thought, God, with whatever you put in our hand, you can count on this one thing. We will, to the very best of our abilities, each one's given according to their ability, we will, to the very best of our abilities, seek to multiply what you have entrusted, what is not ours, but what you have entrusted to us. This is why we launch. You know, in a moment, we're going to take communion together. Our last Sunday is one church in one location. And before we step into not just two locations, but into a new future, into a new way, of being his people. We are going to take communion together as we remember that we could not even have this conversation. We could not even ask the question if it were not for what Jesus has done for us. Why do we do what we do? We, we don't even get to ask that question. It is all, all, all because of him. It is all because he came for us. It's all because he gave himself for us. It's all because he put his life now into us. What brings us together, what drives us forward is Jesus. He's the one who's torn down every wall that divides us. He's the one who, who has broken every barrier that, that keeps us from him and from one another. It's all about Jesus. And we're going to take communion together as we remember that this is, we've all been entrusted different talents and skills, even within this room. We've all been entrusted with different just resources from God. We've all been entrusted. But it doesn't matter what we've been entrusted with. It's what we do with that. What, what we all hold in common. We may be get given and trusted different things, but what is absolutely common, what is the same for every one of us, is every one of us comes into the kingdom through this door, the body and the blood of Jesus. I want to invite you to stand. And this morning, we're going to take it together, just remembering our oneness in Christ, the oneness that came at the cross. 